Nearsighted or farsighted in 2023. This is our vision sermon. We do this twice a year. I do it in January and usually in June. And it's always a good reminder because, as Andy Stanley says, vision leaks. And what that means is, is that over time, people can move away from the purpose, the mission, the vision of what they do as an organization, as a church. And so we've decided twice a year to remind ourselves and to bring us back to what is our focus here at Pleasant View Baptist Church. So a week ago Friday, I went to my ophthalmologist. It had been two years since I went. And uh, you know the drill. If you've been to the ophthalmologist, you go in and and at some point they dilate your eyes and they run all these tests to see if you have glaucoma and cataracts and all these things, you know. But then you get to the end and then there's always that time where he puts that, you know, instrument up to your face. Better one, better two. Better one, better two, right? Back and forth each eye until he finds the prescription that best works for you to have as close a vision as you can to 2020. Sometimes they can even improve on that. Well, today, every Christ follower, we have to have a vision from God that yearly expands its stretch of faith to grow spiritually, personally, and with the church family and our local church at Pleasant View Baptist Church. That we need to be evaluating our vision, just like we go to the ophthalmologist and he adjusts our prescription. We need to be adjusting our vision yearly, personally, and as a church. And so, Today, we want to remind ourselves, as we often do, the purpose of our church, our vision statement, and its core values. And you have these in your notes, and they'll be on the screen as well. But our purpose statement here at Pleasant View Baptist Church, we believe according to God's word, our purpose in life is to worship and glorify God and to share the good news of God's love in Christ Jesus with the world, beginning with the people of our community under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we will seek to lead people to conversion, baptism, and a maturing relationship with Jesus Christ through worship, outreach, discipleship, fellowship, and service. That's our purpose. That's why we gather on Sunday morning. That's why Wednesday night, Thursday night, all the times that we gather together as a church for various things, we do that uh, with this purpose in mind. And we do this in our church by encouraging people to do three things. And I really believe that you've got to meet together corporately as well as take care of yourself personally in devotions to grow. We need personal and we need corporate. And I think three things are essential that I talk about a lot, that we need to gather together and worship as believers, that we need to be in a connect group or a group in our church where there's accountability, where there's life on life. And then also there needs to be a place where you're exercising your spiritual gifts, you're serving in ministry. That's what brings balance to the Christian life and brings maturity in the way that God intended for it to happen. Our vision statement, Pleasant View Baptist Church is a multi-generational family of believers in Jesus Christ, seeking to connect others to God and his family, striving to grow spiritually and relationally, and finding our places of serving God in his church, in our communities, and in the world. So connecting people with God and his family growing spiritually and relationally, serving God in his church, in our communities, and in the world. And that's where we get these three words, connecting, growing, serving, connect, grow, serve, to help you to remember what it is that our church is all about and to be able to explain it 
in a simple way to other people what our, our, our vision is. And so as we think about that, we also look at our core values, things that from the beginning of the church, a long time ago, away in some archives, I found these core values and pulled them out. We, the congregation of Pleasant View Baptist Church, hold the following core values. Number one, we believe in gathering together for worship. We believe the integrity of our individual lives is shown in biblical principles and our personal commitment and accountability to God. I want to pause there because every time I read that, I think how well written that was and how, as a church, that should be what we're about personally and accountability, living out biblical principles. This is our personal worship time, our quiet time, devotional time alone with God and Bible reading and prayer. As I said, we need both the personal time and the corporate time within the church to be balanced in our spiritual growth. And there's no substitute for personal time in the word and time spent in fellowship, worship and service with the local church. Number three, we believe in discipleship and equipping of every believer. That's why we believe strongly in expository preaching where we learn from the pulpit verse by verse, precept upon precept within the context of the word of God and its application to our lives. Number four, we believe in the discipleship of children and youth. And uh, as Mike Fenley was youth pastor here for about 14 years, can attest, and some of you have been here longer, our church has known the community for Awana, for the youth group. And that's one of the things they emphasize in this core value. So through Awana, through our chaos student ministry, children's church, Sunday school, we're committed to pouring eternal values into our young people starting in nursery, going all the way through high school, and then, of course, into our connect groups with our adults. Number five, we believe in holding to biblically sound teaching, preaching, and authority in our individual and corporate lives. That means we're committed to staying true to historical, orthodox, Christian doctrinal teachings and histor historical ways to interpret the Bible within its context, leading always to application, how we're going to live it out, not just head knowledge in our lives. Number six, we believe in encouraging and providing opportunities for individual and corporate prayer. Number seven, we believe in being a church family that shows love and concern for others in our words and our actions. And we do that through prayer, through benevolent gifts, through lots of things that are done by other people for other people that you'll never hear about from this pulpit. It's all behind the scenes. And number eight, we believe in supporting mission work financially, and with personal involvement, so important. In our church membership class, we always come and we see this chart. I think it's the next slide up. And we talk about this. The large circle is the community. Those are the people that are at large around us here in Bettendorf and Leclerc and Pleasant Valley and East Davenport. The crowd, that's the people who come occasionally to our church. The congregation are those who are the regular church members and part of the church family if you're not a member. The committed are those who've made the decision to become members of our church. And then the core are those who are in leadership, those who do ministry along with the committed, working together and doing that. And how do we go about um, seeing people grow in the faith? Well, we see this next slide and it talks about our process of assimilation. I know it's pretty small. You may not be able to see it, but it's a funnel. And at the top, we have different entry points. I talked about this last week with our ministry team leaders to remind us. We have things that 
or make it available for people to come and find out about our church through Awana, for example, through Chaos Student Ministry, through our men's breakfasts for coffee on Mars Hill and also Thursday night men's group. When we do our Serve Sunday, Easter and Christmas are great times to invite people to our church. Women's events, there's other things we could say, but there's things at the top that provide a way for us to invite people to come and to find out more about our church. And then we have the uh, church connection where people get involved and then become members and they begin to serve. And then those, the smallest core group is, as like that last slide we have with the circles, the smallest group is the church leadership. And that all that is trying to help people to grow, mature in Christ, move closer to him through all that we do. So these are things that I wake up thinking about for the last nearly 14 years. I've given myself fully to this vision. And I'll still remember 14 years ago this month, meeting with Jeff Shearer in Ottawa, Illinois. He was the interim pastor. And it was an exciting day because he brought me the keys and the alarm code to the church after I'd been voted in. And he was handing the baton over to me. He also brought me these two huge boxes of papers that they'd been through for the vision team and other things as they retooled this church. And he shared with me three things in parting that was something I really need to focus on, three weaknesses that have been identified with the vision team. One, very little community outreach and connection to the needs of the community at that time, back in 2008. Two, poor communication as a result. All the ministries had their own silo ministries, but not connected in a unifying way to the church's vision. And third, lack of trust of the leadership of the church. So I've attempted over these 14 years to get us connected to the community, to overemphasize communication by being extremely transparent, and to strongly encourage support, prayer, and trust of the elders, deacons, deaconesses, and ministry team leaders. And as a result of the changes made due to the study and discovery of biblical values, the church moved away from a congregational rural church to an elder-led church. And we have six things that we vote on. And today at our business meeting, we're going to vote on something that's over $5,000. That's one of the stipulations within our Constitution. See, there's kind of three different types of church government. There's congregational rule which is modeled more after our American democratic government where people, everybody gets a say. Elder-led is where we put trust in our leadership. We elect the elders. We vote for the budget. We vote for big items like we're talking about today. Uh, constitutional changes, you know, buying property or selling property, dissolving the church, hiring a pastor. Those are the things that we do get the vote on. And that's an elder-led church. But then there's the elder-ruled church. And those are churches where the congregation has no say in anything. They completely trust the elders to make all the decisions. So we are an elder-led church. And these principles found in these charts, the vision statements and core values are what the leadership considers as they make decisions on ministries and volunteers. These thoughts are what we're considered when it comes to doing outreach in our community as well. So our goals for 2022, as we met last Saturday, a week ago Saturday, with our ministry team leaders, 
we went over our goals from the previous year. The Rumato project, which is in process, new leaders for the following things. We have two new members that joined our missions team. As you saw, Pat Stewart is directing Vacation Bible School. We have co-directors, Patty Lee and Pat Stewart, for the Fellowship Lunch. John Kendall joined the Deacon Board. And we have some new Awana leaders as well. So we, we think God provided in many ways in helping us meet that goal to attract new families. And it should say guests with an S at the end to our church. To finish the live stream project, which we did. And the security cameras. 17 new security cameras in our building and outside of our building as well. So we've done a lot of things. We've seen God do a lot of good things, bringing new people in. And so our goals for 2023 is, the next one is to continue on with the remodel project, for the remodel campaign and the meeting to vote on moving forward, for new leadership. We need a men's group leader to oversee the breakfast, the coffee on Mars Hill, Thursday night. We need more elders, deacons and deaconesses. The safety team, it came up as well, wants to meet more and uh, uh, buy some communication devices so they can communicate downstairs and upstairs as well. Activities for families in the church and for new families with children to come and be a part of our church family. And that's part of why we're meeting on Friday night, February the 3rd. Developing community. Now, how do we do that? Well, we do that through fellowship lunches. We just had the chili cook-off. And John Kendall's our reigning champion. We'll remind you of that, right? Keep it going. Easter breakfast is coming up, a good time to invite people to come. We don't have connect groups that day. You come for breakfast and then for Easter worship. Um, we've had special worship nights in October, a first responder one, and then a Christmas one on a Sunday night. Fire and fellowship, game nights, movie nights. All these things are opportunities to gather together, build relationship, but also to invite people who may not come First time to a church service, but we come to one of those events as well. So we're praying for new young leaders to step up and be trained to serve. And our church family would uh, personally invite people, as again, to encourage you to invite people to connect with our church at some of these events or at our church service. So now we're going to turn our hearts to the Word of God as we th think about our vision and our purpose and all these things. And uh, as I've prayed about, what is it that I would think God wants us to really focus on spiritually and do through the ministries of our church and through each one of us individually? And that's seeing God, how God's going to work in 2023. Take your Bible, turn over to Matthew 5 if you haven't already. Matthew chapter 5. And you have some notes there. And we're going to key in on verse 8. We're going to read just a section of the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount goes for several chapters, but we're going to focus on just one verse after we read these first 10 verses of Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called son of God. 
Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we're going to key in on verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And may God add his blessing at the reading of his word, and let's bow for prayer. Father, we commit the rest of this message, and even the beginning as we've talked about our purpose statement, to really guide our hearts. Lord, help us to be pure in heart. That's one of the hardest things we can do, especially in this culture that we're in today. Lord, help us to put in the the boundaries, the guardrails, the safeguards, to have accountability, to stay in your word, to listen to your Holy Spirit when it convicts us and not quench the Holy Spirit, but allow you to work and may we be sensitive to sin in our life so that we are quick to confess, to keep our sinless short, and to seek purity, because you're a holy and righteous God. We pray and ask these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Number one on your outline, pure hearts bring change that lasts because it is from the inside out. This is so important. The way the world talks about change, the way the world wants to encourage change, it starts on the outside, begins with behavior. And so we just look at what God's word says and counterintuitive to what the world teaches. And there's a bunch of verses there. I encourage you to study those on your own. Some we will hit, but change comes from turning to Christ. We fool ourselves into thinking sometimes that if I just will myself more, I can bring about change. We also at times focus on the world's way of changing us, but these things fall short because they're void of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ that us as followers of Christ possess through the Holy Spirit. That's why the message taught through Celebrate Recovery on Monday nights is so powerful because you don't have to connect to a higher power as another organization talks about and encourages change. The power for us is to change as believers in the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. And Romans 8 lays that out. Paul says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And when I or anyone else sees sin as God describes it and agrees or confesses that it is sin in our lives, that's the first step to turning away from sin and tapping into that resurrection power found in the Holy Spirit to overcome sin in our lives. Another thing is a change comes when we trust in Christ. When we trust in Christ, we lack a pure heart and a true vision for God. When I preach from Isaiah chapter 6, as Austin read this morning, and we talk about the holiness of God, high and lifted up, rightly to be adored. You see, I'm convinced that how we view God and how we view sin determines how we live our Christian life. If the secular humanist believes that there is no God, then they don't worry about accountability at the end of life. If they don't believe in any kind of God, they can do whatever they want. And they think it's eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. 
But if we're a believer in Christ, we know that there's a Bema seat, a judgment seat, that we're going to stand before to give an account, not of our sins, but of our works, our attitudes, our motives. We also know that we will be rewarded for what we do. And we understand, we understand as we live our lives, we live with that idea of accountability, but love for the Lord because of what he has done for us. So how we view God and how we view sin affects how we live our life. And if we believe all that we know and believe about God from the Bible and we desire to have a pure heart toward God, it will cause us to trust him more and allow him to bring lasting change into our life. Thirdly, under this point, change comes when we treasure Christ. When we treasure Christ. Do we, we have a lot of things that we enjoy, that we buy, that we enjoy entertainment with, and those things are good. But our ultimate treasure ought to be in Christ. In Matthew chapter 6, part of the Sermon on the Mount, he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Okay, what we spend our time on, what we spend our money on, that tells us a lot about where our treasure is. So the application here is, are you allowing God to change you from the inside out? We're going to look at that in a, a point later on, but it begins on the inside, and then our behavior shows on the outside because of the character that's being built in our will and our heart. Secondly, as we think about developing a pure heart, pure hearts keep us focused on putting Christ above everything else. Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And do you really think about that verse in a practical way each and every day? Hey, if you put God first, he goes on to say in Matthew 6, just like the flowers, they don't toil and labor for the water and the nutrients, and they're still turned out beautiful. Think about the millions and billions of birds that God feeds every day. He's saying, put my kingdom first and I will take care of the rest. I get it so backward many times. God promises in other places in the Beatitudes not to worry about the clothing and the food and the water. But if we have a pure heart and seek him first and obey his commandments, we don't have to worry. I love Psalm 37, 4. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That means if you seek after him, he's going to change your heart to seek his will and to do the things that he desires for you to do. I don't know if you do this, but I try to figure out and tell God in my prayers how to do things. You know, I don't, I don't just pray. I say, okay, God, I want to pray for this person, but I want you to do this and do it this way, and I want to see it happen in this time, right? You guilty of doing that as well? And so God says, sit back, keep your eyes on me, be available, and I will use you how I want to use you. Keep that in mind as you think, thirdly, keep your personal vision for 2023 in front of you. <clears throat> keep your personal vision for 2023 in front of you. Many, many centuries ago, there was a remote village in India, and they got word that a once-in-a-lifetime experience was about to occur in this village. That was the prince of India was going to come through their town on a certain day. 
There was a beggar who sat at the gate. <clears throat> he had two cups. He had a cup for rice as he begged and a cup for money. And every day he would be there, alms, alms, alms to the poor. Well, the day came and the prince showed up. And he was excited because this guy was one of the wealthiest men in all of India. And maybe he would put a lot of gold in my cup. And so the prince came and he came by and he, this beggar yelled, alms, alms to the poor with his two cups. And the prince stopped and he looked at him and he said to the beggar, give me your cup of rice. Give me your cup of rice. He looked in disbelief and doubt and looked down at the ground and he reached in and he gave three grains of rice to the prince. The prince turned to his entourage. He says, give me my bag of gold. And he pulled out three little specks of silver and put in the cup. And the prince walked, left, and the man never saw him again. Much to his chagrin, he thought about the rest of his life that he wished he'd given his whole cup to the prince because the prince would have probably given him all of his gold. What about us as we think about our lives? How are we allowing God to stretch our faith in this new year personally and in our spiritual walk and service to Christ? Are we willing to give him the whole thing, our lives, our cup of rice? In Luke 6.38, give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. God wants to stretch our faith to do some things this year that we thought were impossible or we maybe we never even thought of. He wants to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or think if we trust him. And I believe God wants to take you and I personally, spiritually to new horizons and brand new ways to trust him more if we'll open ourselves up to him with no reservations. Here's a question to be thinking about at the end of January. What can you trust God for in your life in the remaining 11 months of 2023? What are the things that you can trust God for in 2023? What about your relationships? How are you investing in those in 2023? See a picture on the screen of a book I recommend called Long Distant Grandparenting. Maybe you're like Diane and I. We're 180 miles from our grandkids. There's a great book by Wayne Rice, part of Legacy Coalition, <clears throat> excuse me, and their resources. It's a great tool to help you to invest spiritually into the lives of your grandparents or grandkids as grandparents using Zoom and other types of things, writing letters. Great little book. What about parents? <clears throat> One of the best books I've seen, the next slide, is this book called Sticky Faith by Kara Powell and Chap Clark out of California, out of Fuller Seminary. They've done a lot of research on how to make sure your kids keep their faith when they leave home and the investments you can make into their lives while they're with you. What about investing into your spouse, date nights, be a better listener, Enhance your spouse's love language by making it intentional and a priority in 2023. And then keep the vision of our church for 2023 in front of you. Keep the vision of our church for 2023 in front of you. <clears throat> what about your faith as far as your local church is concerned? What about serving? As I mentioned, we need new leaders, more volunteers for some ministries. <clears throat> 
financial, giving. We're about $15,000 away from completing the funding for phase one if we vote to support the plan being presented after the worship service. Personal evangelism, making sharing your faith a lifestyle. God is looking for unwavering commitment to him by following him no matter where 2023 takes you. We're not to bail on him or his plan, even if the going gets tough and we don't know exactly where we're headed and what's going to happen. In Luke 9:62, it says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Back up a few verses that aren't on the screen. Jesus is trying to find out, engage the commitment of people who say they want to follow him. In verse 57, before you get to 62, as they were going along the road, Jesus and the disciples, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Now get that. You want to follow Jesus, but guess what? We don't know where the next meal's coming from. We don't know where we're sleeping tonight. It might be outside. I mean, on and on it goes. You know, are you really committed? In verse 59, he says to another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, first give me time to bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go home and say goodbye to my family. And we get to verse 62 where he says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit, is fit for the kingdom of God. So our application is this, how is your plowing forward in your growth in Christ going? Are you keeping your eyes on him? Just think of a plowman back in the day, you know, the old plows that were oxen drawn or however they pulled them. If they took their eye off the plow, then it would become crooked. They want to have straight lines. We have to keep our eyes on Christ and plow forward in our commitment to him. Now, thirdly, as we see pure hearts, pure hearts confront and overcome hypocrisy and division. Confront hypocrisy in our lives. We need to seek integrity in all areas of our life. And how do we do that? Well, number one is to make sure your walk matches your talk. That who you are in public is the same person you are at home. That's a tall order for some of us, isn't it? Remember that our life preaches more than our words many times. As I was driving back from my kid's house yesterday, my wife saw a sign on, on a, it was a sports store, and it said, your actions speak louder than your coaching. I thought, wow, that was, that was an interesting phrase. Goes right along with this, that our life preaches more than our words many times. In Matthew 23, it says, woe to you. Now, that is Jesus. This is the loving, compassionate Jesus speaking to the Pharisees, pointing out their hypocrisy. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Jesus is emphasizing an inside-out change. 
not just window dressing on the outside. That's why character always trumps the facade of focusing only on the outward beauty and the outward behavior. Jesus is rebuking them for lack of purity in their heart. And integrity comes from the... uh, comes when the outside is the overflow of the inside of the person. That's what it should be. I love 1 Peter 3, and while this is speaking to women and wives in particular, it's applicable to all of us. In 1 Peter 3, 3 through 5, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable perishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. God looks at the heart. God's concerned about the inside, the condition of our our spiritual soul. Second, if you're going to maintain purity of heart, it's essential that you have a filter or a guard on your heart. I know I'm going to date myself, but we still have this uh, VCR at our house. How many still, anybody have a VCR? Ah, okay, okay. So when my kids were growing up, they sold this VCR with something on it called The Guardian. And you could put the VCR tape in there and you could set the controls to allow as little or no profanity at all or just a little bit or light. And of course, we wanted to watch movies, but we wanted to make sure that we, especially first-run movies you hadn't seen, you didn't know what to expect, we'd set those filters on it as well. The bad news was when you put in a Christian movie and it talked about God, they took the name God out because they assumed it was going to be a curse word. So that was, that was a little bit of a problem. But we have filters. We have filters. Right now in some of our phones, we have covenant eyes that keeps people from wandering into places in the Internet that they should not. And they, with covenant eyes, you have several people that know the websites that you are going to And that's a way for accountability. We have to maintain a pure heart by putting guardrails, boundaries. In Proverbs 4.23, it says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. You see, it begins in the heart. But we have to guard the heart because out of it flows our behavior, our attitudes, our motives. And so what we put in is what's going to come out. Jesus said in his teachings um, that we need to be careful of what we put in there because it ends up being how we behave. So the next thing is confront a divisive spirit in your life. Confront a divisive spirit in your life. Hebrews 12, verses 14 and 15, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. Strive for peace. That doesn't mean we're going to be perfect at it. That doesn't mean there isn't going to be conflicts. Conflicts can be healthy, and you can learn from conflicts if they're handled in the proper way and they're reconciled together, and at times you agree to disagree. But we're to do our best to maintain unity among the brothers and sisters of Christ who we live and worship with in the body of Christ, our local church. We truly are family here at Pleasant View Baptist Church. For some of us, like Diane and I included, you're more family in many ways than our biological family. I think of Banu. He's not here today, but he's over with uh, Davina in Iowa City with Salaja and Rory, and they're celebrating because 
Uh, Bonnie is getting ready to go tomorrow to India. He hasn't been to India to see his family in almost four years. This church where God has called him to be here in Bettendorf is his family. And that's what we are, a family. And see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, it says in verse 15, to maintain unity within the family. In Deuteronomy 29, 18, he says, Beware lest there be among you a man or a woman or a clan or tribe whose heart is turning away today from the Lord our God to go and serve the gods of those nations. Beware lest there be among you a root bearing poisonous and bitter fruit. See, we're not to do things that would cause others to become bitter. Anything we do personally that turns someone away from the Lord is like a sickness that goes through the body of believers. And bitterness in the body of Christ in the local church creates hard feelings, grudges, and divisiveness. So we must do all we can to not allow that to happen. And we're commanded in Ephesians 4. After Paul goes through and he talks about the purpose of the pastors and teachers and the apostles to help mature and grow people up in the faith. He says in verse 15b, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, for whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow. Why? So that it builds itself up in love. And that's the goal to work, using our spiritual gifts passionately, coming together, working together to build each other up in love. We're to do all that we can to seek unity and reconciliation where there are conflicts among us as quickly as possible. And so I've been actually told that there are a few people that haven't been coming to our church because they have issues with others and they haven't worked them out. And that makes me feel sad. It breaks my heart. So the application here is, are you dwelling together with your brothers and sisters in unity? Are you dwelling together with your brothers and your sisters in unity? Lastly, to seek to have and maintain a pure heart, pure hearts have a healthy view of their commitment to being a heavenly and earthly citizen. To being a heavenly and an earthly citizen. Allegiance to being a heavenly citizen. That is our number one commitment. I read a blog post on Monday, and it really put it in perspective, so I'm giving you this quote. As Christians, we have dual citizenship. One is eternal, heavenly, and worthy of our ultimate allegiance. The other is temporary, earthly, and yet requires our engagement. Our heavenly citizenship does not allow us to neglect the responsibilities or shield us from the effects of our earthly citizenship but instead informs, shapes, and equips us to participate in the public square as ambassadors of God's kingdom. Justin Jepson. So it's good for us to understand that our allegiance is to our heavenly father, but engaging in this world as an earthly citizen, we are to engage. We're to be salt and light. We're to um, be in the world, but not of the world, as Jesus said. We're to impact. We're to influence by how we live our lives, by what we say and what we do. Philippians 3.20 says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I've preached through Philippians twice in two different churches, one here in previous church. And when you get to that passage, it's so interesting because in Philippi, they're on the edge of the Roman Empire. 
In fact, they can see where the Roman Empire ends and where the next group of people are that aren't part of the Roman Empire. They're about as far away from Rome as you can get. And yet, they are supporting the Roman Empire. We're kind of like that. We're looking, we're part of this world, but we're looking to the heavenly, to beyond, to what's so important for Christ and his kingdom. And what we need most and what this world is waiting to see are people marked by pure hearts and a fresh vision of God. As followers of Christ, we're called and have been equipped to incarnate the life of Christ in and through our lives. And when we see God with pure eyes, we can then imitate God with integrity and authenticity. So here's the application. Are you balanced in your view of your responsibilities in being a dual citizen here on planet Earth? Are you balanced? Do you know, do you know where you are? One thing that's rising once again, I heard this week, that really uh, frustrates me is this view of Christian nationalism. And we don't have time to go into that. But we're not part of the Christian nationalist movement. We serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, number one. So are you balanced in your view of your responsibilities and being a dual citizen here on earth? To wrap this message up in a sentence which, sentence, which is always my purpose, the key thought to consider what steps will you take to keep your heart pure and focused on God in 2023? What steps and what part you will play in the vision of Pleasant View Baptist Church in 2023? That's what I want us to think about as we prepare to close and sing our last song in just a moment. Here's some questions for you this week to ponder. I hope you take these home, put them on your nightstand, stick them in your Bible, and maybe throughout the week you come back to them and Reflect on the message a little bit, but think about these things, and these are applications for you. How will you guard your heart in 2023 to maintain a pure focus on Christ? Number two, will you do your part to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace in 2023? What part will you write down and do as your part to fulfill the vision of Pleasant View Baptist Church in 2023? Let's bow for prayer. Father, we come and we commit ourselves afresh to your word, to your Holy Spirit, but also to the vision of this church. I thank you for the men and women who spent a couple years with Pastor Jeff Shearer in changing the whole outlook of this church, the whole direction of being wise enough to say, hey, what we have isn't, isn't working, and as we search the scriptures, we see a better way. And so we thank you. We thank you for them developing these things through much prayer, much survey, much connecting with the people in the congregation at that time in the community. And Lord, we are now the ones who carry this on, carry this, uh, this torch of the vision of our church. We know it's not holy and sacred, but we believe it's what the direction you want us to be, the niche in our community with the other churches to be the best kingdom builders we can be. And so Lord, help us, help us to think about and ponder this vision today, we pray and ask in Jesus' name, amen.